Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hehe, And I'm Mandy. And today we're diving into a topic that absolutely fascinates me because I think you can get a different picture of the story depending on the source that you hear it from. Mandy, today we're talking about the mass exodus of nurses in the bedside realm of medicine. What are your initial thoughts? (laughs) Or AKA the nursing shortage. (laughs) Every time I say nursing shortage, someone's like, oh my God. (laughs) I went in, I'm curious what our listeners, I was thinking about y'all when I was making some notes for this episode, because I'm really curious what you think about that phrase, nursing shortage or mass exodus of nurses. Like, where are (laughs) y'all? Where are you going? What is it? What's doing it? So, Hihi, why are you, um, why do you love this topic? What a morbid topic. (laughs) It is a morbid topic, but I love it so much because my question is like, once we have, you know, rid our system of all the good nurses, what are we going to do? We all can be taking care of ourselves. Everyone's just going to walk into a hospital that's empty and what expect to be taken care of. So it's something that when... I learned about it. I was like, oh, wow, this seems like a big problem. And then the more I kind of dove into it, I was like, oh, wow, this this is a big problem. What are we going to do here? I think there's a lot to uncover and unpack here. One of the things that struck me as the most concerning was the way that the media spins it as like, there's not enough nurses out there to work when in reality, that's not true at all. It's that nurses aren't being treated well. And so they are refusing to work in unsafe conditions. Um, You know, one of the stats that I found when I was doing some research for this is that three in 10 healthcare workers have weighed leaving the profession during COVID um, and six in 10 say that the pandemic burned them out. And so we're just seeing, I think, a problem that has kind of always been there be exacerbated by COVID and really highlights the broken pieces that people are no longer willing to put up with because other things have gotten so bad. Yeah, for sure. For sure. These have always been happening. And I think 
it's not, it wasn't ever talked about in nursing school. So there are new nurses, new grads popping out and they're like, the fuck is this? What nursing school told me that I would have a job. Nursing school told me that I would be indispensable. Nursing school told me that I would pay back my loans, all this shit, but nursing schools and hospitals are in bed together, right? They're all related oftentimes, um, either directly or indirectly and nursing school spin it a lot, like a lot like the media where it's, oh my gosh, there's a shortage and you're going to get a job and you're going to get in. Yeah. And then you do. Yeah. That's cool. And then you get there and you're like, uh, 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 uh. So I was talking with a nurse the other day, or maybe I read what, um, something that they wrote. Oh, they said, no, 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 no. We're not out of beds. Like there are technically places for sick people to go on their unit or in their hospital, whatever they were talking about. It's not, it's not a bed shortage. We can put you in a bed. We just have no staff to care for you. We literally don't have enough nurses to give you any sort of care that's going to help you any more than it would if you were at home. And this was just one particular day, one particular location, but I haven't been at the bedside for over a year. And I used to say that we used to say that all the time when it was real, we would say it to each other. We would be like, um, well, technically we could put them here, but it wouldn't be safe because then we would be taking on the responsibility and literally no one can go. So I think that paints a picture of it. It's the image of what the hospitals have done. And these really awesome articles that we'll put in the show notes are also kind of revealing or discussing is hospitals, the, the healthcare industry has just like boomed. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, the baby boomers. I remember in school, they were like, well, this is what's going to happen when the baby boomers get old. Well, folks, we're here. <laughs> we're, we're here. The baby boomers, there's a number in one of the articles of how many nurses are over 55. It was like a huge number of the percentage of nurses that are over 55, 55. So if you're a baby boomer listening, you're probably like, yep, I've looked at my retirement plan every day. I'm on the countdown. That's been going on, right? That's just the age. If you're a boomer, that's kind of what you're looking at. And it's what we've been looking at as a society and as a country. Like we've known that this group of folks as they near retirement are going to need more healthcare. They're going to be, um, require different, have different requirements in the workforce and they'll be leaving the workforce. And that's happening. And we've been talking about this for years, a couple decades, as we've known it's going to happen. And so healthcare is like, okay, we've got to get ready. So let's add on a wing. Okay. Let's add, well, we could go across the street and add on a whole facility. Why don't we eat up all the little hospitals in the whole fucking state or on the East coast? I mean, that's happening. You see that like, I won't name any names because you all work for them. You know what I'm talking about? They just start eating up and growing and growing and growing. It's these giant conglomerates. It's these massive, huge, it's this huge industry. And this, these systems are full of beds and like nurses and robots, just like (laughs) a few here and a few there. There's just not enough because you've, you've not invested in nurses. You've not invested in the humans that you need to run this system that you have built and created and the nurses get in there and they say, you're not paying me enough for the risk that I'm taking. And the risk today is their life because nurses are of healthcare workers. More nurses have lost their lives in COVID than any other healthcare worker. 
And it's not because they're going to concerts. It's because they're not getting masks and they're not safe at the bedside. So they're going to work knowing they're risking their lives and risking the lives of their families. And they have to weigh, what is that worth? Is it, do I get continued education? Am I working on, you know, getting out of here? Like, what's my game plan? And hospitals are not paying for their degrees. They're not helping them move up the ladder. They're not giving them this idea of what's at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I'll make $150,000 in the next three years. And that's the end of the tunnel, or I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to teach and I'm going to work as a professor. There's none of that that's being put into the nurse workforce. And so they're weighing their options. They're like, do I die or do I what (laughs) I get out and like get a creative job or right? Like raise my family because my kids are out of school because of all of this mess or whatever it is. They're not investing in nurses and nurses are seeing it. You know, it's interesting to hear you say it's not because they're going to concerts. It's because they're not being, um, you know, given masks or the proper PPE at work. Um, There was actually a recent nationwide poll done in collaboration with Washington Post and the Kaiser Family Foundation, and they uh, surveyed more than 1,300 healthcare workers, and 21% of them, 21% of them said that their top fear was bringing infection home for themselves or a close relative. That is absolutely incredible to me that nearly a fourth of your healthcare workers, your frontline workers, your people who have been doing this for over a year now, day in and day out, don't feel safe going into their job when their whole job is to keep us safe. Um, It's also funny to me that you mentioned retirement because I've never thought that as these baby boomers are retiring and leaving the workforce, they're also entering the hospital system as patients requiring additional health care because they are older people now. That is such a really wild um, turn of events. And you can see the very clear bottleneck that happens, Mm -hmm. right? And it's funny that we kind of knew it, but we didn't prepare for it. So when we think about this mass exodus of nurses, do you think these numbers are inflated due to people retiring during 21 and 22? Because it is, you know, our retirement number of nurses was high in 21 Mm -hmm. comparatively, and it is predicted to be high again in 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that they, I think the majority of folks over 55 have, um, or at least half of them, I forget, forget what the number was, but it was monstrous have considered leaving within the next two years. So I think they're kind of looking at their situation and trying to figure it out and balance some things before they leave. And then they're done, or maybe they need a couple more years to get where they need to get. And then they're done. Brace yourself for the exodus of baby boom nurses coming into the hospital. And they're not going to go until they're like on their deathbed. (laughs) We never go to the doctor. (laughs) Our poor kids. We're like, you're fine. Take a Tylenol and go to school. Uh, so I imagine them being like, fuck you. I'm not going to the doctor. <laughs> and then they climb into the hospital, like crawling in. Someone has to drag them in. They're, they're the sickest of sick because they're nurses. And they're like, I know what they'll do to you in there. <laughs> I might not get out. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to the hospital. Oh, they're assholes. We're assholes. Bad. We always say, we always say that we're bad patients. Don't wait to get help, get help. Don't, don't listen to what I say. 
I actually do think that it's not inflated, but it's legit. Like personally. Okay. So, uh, if you're a baby boomer listening and you're a nurse, you're, um, specifically nurses because nurses are absolutely underpaid, undervalued, right. They're like, um, super oppressed. If you're speaking of all of the groups of healthcare workers, we're not talking about physicians specifically though there are right. This is, that's its own whole, but if you are a baby boomer or of the age thinking about retirement in the next two years, and that aligns with what your, where you are in your life, I would be curious to know what you're weighing personally, the folks that I've seen that have done that, that, I mean, COVID was like the last straw. It was like the fourth and fifth beyond the last straw, because it's hard to make that decision. I'm sure. Uh, if, especially if you've been in this, in the place that you're at or in the field that you're at for your, most of your career, it can be difficult. But what I'm seeing is the shift wasn't as difficult once COVID hit because one, it was obvious health risk, like life or death Two, it was obvious strain on employment. I mean, nurses are told, okay, now your whole unit is ICU. Like, uh, what? Like, I'm not trained in ICU. And they're like, doesn't matter. Now all your beds are ICU. You're taking care of four ICU patients on more oxygen than you've ever seen. And I mean, like it is unsafe. It is unsafe what nurses are being asked to do. And it's also not their role that they've been doing often they are moved. And so they're not really doing the job that they absolutely love. They're not taking care of the types of patients that they're used to taking care of. So it's unsafe. So you're risking like hurting folks, hurting yourself, getting hurt, hurting your family, taking shit home. Um, and then not being able to work, you're still like not protected. You're encouraged to come. Um, if you're just like a little bit sick or like, you're not even like paid during the time where it takes for test results to come back. So there's a strain, there's a lot of strains that are adding up. What I've seen are baby boomer nurses are freaking caregivers and kind of like often, um, providers for their families, if not matriarchs, they're like caregivers of their families. And they're home helping other family members who are struggling as parents that are in the workforce in this time. Because if you're also a parent, you know that you were just totally trashed and everyone said, okay, everyone go home and work and like be super productive because we're going to have to fire half of you anyway. So parents in the workforce are struggling and stressed and don't have a lot of options. Right now I'm at home on quarantine with my children And so is my husband. And so we're kind of like half working, half not working, and it's not great for anybody. So I see a lot of boomer nurses going home and like giving the middle finger to the health clinic, to the clinics they're in and supporting their working families, their childcare, their backup, their drivers, they're working with, um, you know, they're at home trying to take care of their family members who do need a little bit more healthcare, but they don't have any more home health you know, they don't get home health anymore. They don't want it because they want to be a little more safer with who they're around. So I see them moving into different directions that's needed. That really wasn't really, um, an option five years ago, or wasn't super legit option. And now they're definitely needed more outside the bedside than at the bedside. And you get to spend more time with your family that way too. And it's, it's, you know, a really untraditional way. I think of supporting your family, but it doesn't make it any less legit. And I think the question begs of like, why, regardless 
of whether they're, the numbers are inflated due to retirement or not, why are these people deciding now is the time to go? What is happening? Like, why didn't they do it three years ago? Why didn't they hang on just another two years? Why didn't they hang on five years? Why didn't they retire five years ago? Um, I think it still has to be looked into of like, what is going on now? And it just speaks volume to me that these nurses do not feel safe at work. Um, and it's so mm -hmm. sad to me and they're, they're leaving. And then we have nurses kind of like yourself who have left bedside and you are doing creative work and reaching exactly the population of people that you best serve. Yeah. I think, I think that it, that was a hole in my education. I kept hearing oh my gosh, you can be, you can do whatever you want with a nursing degree. Oh my gosh, your nursing license is going to be so great. You can just like do anything. You can work anywhere. You can be a school nurse. You can be this, you can be that. Okay. That's great. But it's always working for a healthcare system or for like a government system. And they never gave me the skills to use my license creatively, but folks are giving me the skills to use my license creatively now and not necessarily me specifically. I've been working on this entrepreneur journey for the last seven years, but there are some bad bitches out there teaching like how to work with lawyers, using your nursing license, how to teach nurses, how to write, how to write a book, how to um, work a side job and do part-time bedside. Right. So you like get to work, but you don't get all that like staff meetings and all that bullshit over time and call and all that. You just kind of dabble in your bedside career or you, you work a side gig. So you do, you know, something on the side that you're passionate about or that you're great at or whatever that you can manage. And then you're going back to school because what you really want to do is teach and you don't want to work in a hospital. You want to work in a school. And that wasn't available at the bedside because they say it is, but then you're actually pulled on the floor more often than not right? You go to do the clinical ladder, which is complete bullshit, by the way. And you can tell that hospitals want you to stay at the bedside because they make it so hard and they make it almost like, look at you. We're gifting you this clinical ladder journey. That's how it felt for me. It was like monster amount of like meetings I had to go to. And I was working night shift. I was like, is this really meant for me? Is this meant for nurses? Like, who's this meant for? Who wrote this? It wasn't a nurse because we're never going to be able to make it to these meetings. We're never going to be able to make it to do this research because you always pull me onto the floor. Anytime you see me, you're like, can you work? Can you work? Can you work? So you, you have to get out in order to really enjoy your job and love your job. And I think social media, I think the internet has made that possible more so than anything inside inside working at the bedside has. Yeah, there are some really cool nurses um, who have left the bedside, but some haven't, uh, like Katie Duke is one mm -hmm. and Nurse Claire is another one. Um, there's some really cool nurses out there who are doing fun things with their nursing degree. So if you're feeling stuck at the bedside, um, you know, know that there are other possibilities, which you may or may not have been privy to in nursing school. All right, my last thing here, Mandy, kind of piggybacks off of that, the, the lack of career growth. Is this something that we think has massively contributed to this mass exodus or are we standing firm in that the main thing that influenced this mass exodus are, you know, the, the treatment of nurses and also um, COVID burnout? 
Oh gosh. I can't speak for everybody. I have no idea. I think of course the COVID, I hate to call it COVID burnout. I, I would rather call it existing burnout on top of moral injury, right. And moral mm-hmm. distress, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. what really, when you're having to choose life or death, um, for others, like that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. You don't have the resources. Uh, or you're it's having not to work. your job. Yeah. You're having to work in a location that you don't know anything about. Yeah. That's also not your job. That's not safe. And they're getting new grads and they're getting, um, s- nursing schools are not getting clinical practice. So they're, they're not really feeling super safe or super confident when they are on the floor, when they get out and the ones that are out that need clinical education and structure aren't getting that because their nurses are dying, <laughs> right? They're um, educators are dying or they're home with their sick kids. They're just not getting the education that they were getting before. They're so strained. They can't take students or new grads or shadows. Um, I don't know. I know that there was like no career growth options available for me that I felt were worth any of that bullshit that they made you climb through. I don't think that that's true for every single person, but, um, I did see that there was just a lack of autonomy and agency in my management that did not make me want to be one of them and go to all their meetings and like try to fight for something when I felt like they were just like ghosts of people. They had like nothing behind the eyes. They were like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. It was just lip service all the time. I didn't feel like they were really happy, but I think that I think that there are creative ways to keep the workforce happy and engaged and doing what they love to do. They are doing what they love to do. You just like make it an impossible way, which is the way that it is currently is an impossible way. You're not really doing what you love to do. You're suddenly pulled and you're all these things. If you pay folks and acknowledge and reward them for their work and abilities and skills like training residents, training new nurses, um, educating part-time with the schools, with the um, either on research projects or a nursing school because their short nursing school staff are they're closing nursing schools down because they couldn't convert to online education and they had to do something. I think getting creative and paying nurses for the work that they're doing because they regularly train without any extra compensation, which requires them to be there longer, be there more often, go to meetings, do extra stuff. And they don't get paid for that extra stuff. They don't even get acknowledged that they're worth more, which they fucking are because they're draining, right? Other folks that are coming in. And it's $40,000 every time there's a nurse turnover, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's $40,000. So you could pay me most of $40,000 to keep nurses in. Yes, I would do that. Yes. Because then I would find a way to make it worth it because then I could pay for safe childcare. You know, like it is an energy transaction. Yes. I think that career growth, like asking what nurses want, they will tell you. And it starts with this amount of money is worth. <laughs> you could put that into career growth. You can put that into extra education. You can say, here's your track for all the folks that want to be, you know, adjunct professors. Fuck yeah, do that. Because 
what school didn't teach me was how to advocate for that and how to leave until I got it and how to ask for that and how to um, get creative for things like that. And it's also not really often coming from, right, the medical institutions. So I think if we all get a little creative, but it is going to cost money. Yeah. It's going to cost money, but you know, $40,000 to a nurse is a bit of a bigger deal than $40,000 to a hospital system. It seems like if half their nurses are leaving in the first year. Absolutely. (laughs) Investing in your nurses and a little bit of acknowledgement will go a long way. If you are at the bedside and you're feeling this burnout and you're feeling this disrespect and you are well aware that you're not being given the proper PPE and equipment and tools to do your job, please know that you are not alone. Come check us out on Instagram to share your story with us and to share your thoughts about the episodes. You can find us at pulsecheck.podcast. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.